In a world with too much pop culture to consume, one woman and one man will argue about it until they get bored. It's an epic battle between obsession and indifference, and the winner will determine, well, very little actually, Emily Jones and Eric Johnson star in Giant Geek vs. Mega Noob. Whoever wins, we're still losers. Welcome to Giant Geek vs. Mega Noob, the podcast where we argue about something one of us is totally obsessed with. And the other has never even seen. I'm Emily Jones. And I'm Eric Johnson. Thunderball is the fourth James Bond movie released in 1965 and based on the 1961 Ian Fleming novel of the same name. It was Ian Productions' follow-up to the smash hit film Goldfinger and again starred Sean Connery as the iconic British super spy. And I've never seen it. You've never seen Thunderball. Yeah, you already knew that. But, but... I know, I know, okay. I know this is one of your favorites, and I'm sorry. I have seen a lot of Bond over the years. You and I have talked about this I know, which is why I can't believe it. Right. So, okay, here's the thing. I I love the Bond movies, and I love Connery as Bond. I think even though Daniel Craig is great, I still think Connery is the best Bond. Fair. And... And two of the Connery films I have seen at least four times each. Goldfinger and From Russia With Love. Which are good uh, choices. Very good movies. Uh, I think From Russia With Love is my favorite out of the ones I've seen so far. Also a good choice. But the thing is, like, with my Bond obsession, it, like, it was one of those things where I saw everything all out of order without really any sort of guide as to what to watch. I started watching on, like, a TV marathon when I was, like, eight. So it was not, it was not a planned thing from the beginning. But, okay, first of all, they play Thunderball on TV all the time. That's totally not an excuse. And also, Eric, this movie involves a villain with an eye patch and a swimming pool full of murder sharks. Do they have freaking laser beams on their freaking heads? No, but well, then I mean that's just a letdown. Listen, in addition to that, it also has Sean Connery in the tiny swimming trunks and a freaking jetpack. What I don't understand is how do you do? You, do you even get parodies of the Bond franchise not having seen this movie? I mean, well, this, see, okay, like, I've started this to watch this movie before. On. In, in one of the aforementioned TV marathons, I actually had started to watch this movie, and at that time, it was, like, right in the middle of when I was starting to get into Bond. So I had seen, I don't know, three or four of them at that point, and then after that, I had seen the first Austin Powers movie. So I definitely, I distinctly remember a couple things from years and years back when I started to watch this. I think I wound up getting distracted by homework or something. I don't know. But I don't when I started to watch it... homework would trump this movie. I know, I know. It's a horrible pri- life. I was young. I make mistakes. I, I was, I was so young, by which I mean elementary school. Um, so, uh, yeah, so I was starting to watch it. I remember there's a villain with an eye patch, and I yes. remember that there's a uh, man dressed as a woman. And I remember distinctly remember thinking, oh, and the jetpack. I do remember uh, Bond flying and like, putting the jetpack in his trunk, which was cool. So you've um, seen, like, the first two scenes. Is, yes. is literally what you're talking about. Yes, th- that is what that is what I've seen. I told you, I got distracted by something. So, but I remember with all three of those things, like there was like a distinct moment of like, oh, okay, this is this is Austin Powers, whatever. Um, there was there was definitely recognition, but for whatever reason, and again, I'm sorry for the hundredth time, I never went back and finished it. Want to fix that now? I want to want to make amends for my youthful transgressions here. Uh, so we're gonna watch this.
Now, while Eric and I are watching the movie, this would be a good time to note that everything that follows contains ridiculously massive spoilers. So if you haven't seen Thunderball, now would be a great time to pause and go watch it yourself. If you're not a James Bond nerd like me and Eric, and for some reason you don't own all of the movies on DVD, you can find Thunderball online. You can pay to stream it on Amazon. Or you could go out to a video rental store, which might still exist, and get it, I guess. Or maybe get a DVD from Netflix. In any case, spoilers ahead. Okay, and we're back. We both just watched Thunderball. So, uh, Emily, since you're the geek here, I'll let you lead it off before I give my thoughts. Uh, why don't you tell us, like, kind of, what's your favorite favorite thing about Thunderball? Okay, that is a literally impossible question. Um, Too bad. But anyway. <laughs> I've been thinking about this, and there are lots of there are lots of things to love about Thunderball. In a general overview kind of sense, I feel like Thunderball is the height. Of all the things there are to love about James Bond before it started to get totally ridiculous. So Thunderball is like the height of all of the things that we associate with James Bond, all of the cliches, all of the, you know, there's there's silly gadgets that just happen to perfectly fit the exact things that right. he needs for the, and you know, there's... There's a beautiful woman and who he just casually sleeps with, actually several, and yeah, you know, like four of them, as, right? <laughs> as previously discussed, a villain with an eye patch, sharks in a pool, the whole nine yards. But it's also like just really well done and cool, you know. Where later, mm-hmm. um, later the movie started to get like totally silly. Yes. So overall, that is like a summary of why I think Thunderball is so great. But you also said that I could pick a scene, and so I'm picking a scene. Okay. (laughs) So another thing that I think is really important about Thunderball is the fact that it's a follow-up to Goldfinger. And Goldfinger was this huge smash success. I mean, Dr. No was successful. From Russia with Love was more successful than that. But Goldfinger launched the series, really. I mean, Goldfinger was, was the big smash hit. And this That's the one when people think of James Bond, they they go Goldfinger first. It's like, okay, that was the original like Exactly part of yeah. the defining thing of every, Bond. Every every time somebody mentions James Bond like anywhere, you get that. Do you expect me to talk? No, Mr. Bond, I expect you to die. But this movie is not by any means a follow-up movie to Goldfinger. I mean, they did crazy mm-hmm. stuff with this movie. They had the entire like fight scene underwater. And I'm getting to my point, which is that (laughs) the newer movies, especially the most recent one, um, Skyfall, get a lot of credit for kind of poking fun at or or playing with nodding to but subverting all of those Mm -hmm. all of those James Bond tropes. You know, I'm thinking of like the scene in Skyfall where they're they're sitting in the museum. They're having the like the cue. Q meeting and you know right. the Ben Wyshaw's new Q is like we don't really go in for all those silly gadgets anymore like here's a badass gun yeah. <laughs> you know um, <laughs> we just hack everything now so, yeah so the new movies get get a lot of credit for that but they do that in this movie so yeah my possibly favorite scene of this movie is right after Fiona and Bond sleep together and they're getting dressed they're going mm-hmm. out to the local Mardi Gras and 
the henchmen come in and, you know, Bond is kind of trapped. And she says she has this great line. But of course, I forgot your ego, Mr. Bond. James Bond, who only has to make love to a woman, and she starts to hear heavenly choir singing. She repents and immediately returns to the side of right and virtue. But not this one. Which is literally the crux of what, what happens, happens in Goldfinger. And it's like yep. kind of the <laughs> lamest plot point that exists in Goldfinger, because it's like Well, you know, it's way worse in the book, right? You you know you know in the book she's much more explicitly gay in really? the book. The, I did yeah, not yeah, know no, that. You, That's amazing. No, no, no. It's, I mean, in the movie, it's maybe hinted at a little bit, and she says, like, oh, no, I'm not your type, or, or you're not my type. But no, in the book, it's very explicit that Pussy Galore's Flying Circus is a group of lesbian uh, uh, combat, or not combat, like stunt fighters. Like, they're, they're plane, they, they fly planes uh, as, like, a, a stunt, like kind of like a Blue Angels thing. But then, yeah, Bond has sex with her, and she's like, oh, Bond, yeah, okay. Bond rapes her in a barn is what happens. Yes. Yeah. Yes. So anyway, so I just love... Love Fiona. Fiona is such a great character, and I just love that that they do that. Like you know, they nod to the previous film, and they're like, "This is mm-hmm. not that movie. I am not that henchwoman." So I just think that's super awesome. Now, I also like in that scene the fact that uh, when uh, Fiona asks him, like, "Oh, I didn't see you," you know, put 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 the gun in your holster or whatever the line is. I didn't see you when you, you see that when you were dressing, and he says, "Oh yeah, well, it was under the pillow the whole <laughs> time," which. In my mind, that's kind of like, that's the quintessential sort of, that defines Bond in so many ways. It's like, even when he's, you know, uh, with, with this beautiful woman, he, he never has his gun very far away. It's it's always right there. Yeah, well, and he knew she um, was bad from the beginning because she was wearing that oh, wearing of course. specter ring. Right, yeah, that was, she was a little bit obvious. Yeah, um, but I also just like, I don't know, I just think she's so cool. I love how she's like, she's like bored with murder. Like yeah. she can't even. Yeah, it's like it's like a nuisance to her. She's like swatting away a fly when when she's yep. like got her henchmen around doing something. She's like, don't let her make so much noise. Use the chloroform. She, she's and she the expression on her face is she's just like I'm just annoyed that I have to even deal with this. Like, why can't people just like murder easier? Right. <laughs> so yeah, I mean, this is actually probably a pretty good segue to talk uh, to lead into sort of. Overall, I did really like the Yay. movie. I do see 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 where where, where you're saying. Yay. However, I think my big thing with it, my my only real complaint was uh, the main villain Largo. I thought Fiona was a way better character than he was, and so you know the fact that she gets shot partway through and that he's left to carry sort of the menace. I feel it kind of fell apart a little bit after that. I mean, obviously, there was the big underwater fight scene, and then there was the, the boat chase with the military ships, and so there's a lot of, there's a lot of stuff to, to like about about the end. But I, I think that was kind of my, my only thing, is like towards the end of it, I was just feeling a bit fatigued by him, because he never really felt threatening. Like, if you think about, uh, going back to, well, uh, obviously from Russia with Love, everyone remembers, is Robert it Shaw. Grant? Is that the name of, Robert Shaw, as I think his name, character's name is Grant. I have never the, the in my train... life known that character's name. <laughs> yeah, they say it. <laughs> I love I him, but I've um, never known his name. So he's like, he's on the one extreme. He's very physically menacing, right? Like, he's just like, he's the guy who can beat Bond in But he doesn't fight. know the details. And, right, like, exactly. He, he's, he's, the, he's the, the man who doesn't, doesn't, who doesn't know, know knew what, too little. Doesn't yeah. know what wine to order. Red wine with fish. Well, that should have told me something. You may know the right wines. The other one on your knees. 
Um, and then the other extreme, you have someone like Goldfinger, who is not very physically intimidating. I mean, he's big, but he's also fat, and, you know, you get the sense that he's, like, reliant on his henchmen, but yet he still manages to convey a lot of that menace in that famous, you know, no, Mr. Bond, I expect you I to mean, die. I mean, he has a laser scene, that you know. can project a spot on the moon. Or at closer range, cut through solid metal. Right, that, and, and, and he's got... And he's got odd job there. And and so there's kind of this, you know, those are two extremes where you have these two of the big bads who are both in their own way. I'm very, so glad we're you know, referring sort of to like, Bond villains as big bads. <laughs> of course. Of course I am. You know me. So, you know, they're in their own way that they're, they're menacing and they feel like they're a match for Bond. And I never once felt like Largo was like an equal with Bond. He always seemed like maybe he would have been a henchman, which I guess he sort of is for Spectre. Um... Like, in that opening scene, which, uh, that, that was the, the, you were right, that was, like, five minutes into the movie, the, the thing I remembered of him showing up with an eye patch. Um, yeah, to that the opening conference scene... room, which I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna interrupt you to talk about yeah, the amazing it. modern conference, the amazing evil yeah. conference room that has murder chairs yep. that, like, conveniently sink into the floor exactly. to dispose of that dead the body. They think of everything. That, no, that's what I was gonna say. So the murder chairs are, yeah, that, I mean, obviously brilliant fodder for Austin Powers to, to, to parody later on. And in, in the moment, it's, it's a really great scene. But I was thinking at that point, what really could have made Largo a much scarier character would be instead of the goofy murder chair is, you know, Blofeld, or I guess they don't call him Blofeld in this movie. Number one uh, says, you know, oh, I've determined who's been embezzling the money. Number two, take care of it number two pops the guy you know i feel like something like that i I feel like largo needed a moment like that where it's like okay we should watch out for this guy and not just oh he's just you know a middleman or a kind of a a middle you know a kind of a so-so uh villain um that was really my only big problem with the movie do you do you agree i see your point about largo he's like he's not he's not a very well-developed character (laughs) Definitely. Like, he's kind of just, like, in... He needs the eye patch. In order to seem scary, he needs the (laughs) eye patch. That is his defining characteristic, is, oh, it's the guy with the eye patch. Yeah, and, um, yeah, we kind of know him more just from his, like, everyone else's reactions to him. Like, Domino is so scared of him that we're kind of like, oh, well, I guess he must be bad. But I feel like what you're getting at is, like, this kind of, like, larger, uh reason that Spectre never wins. And it's like, it's because James Mm. Bond is awesome, but it's also because they're too scientific. And so, like, Largo has this, Largo has this whole scientific thing, right, where he's, like, he's, like, very, very cold. He doesn't seem particularly Mm -hmm. into what he's doing until he's, like, super, super jazzed about torturing Domino at the end. But, like, other than that, he's, like, very dispassionate. And even when he's torturing her, or is about to, he has this whole thing about, like, the scientific application. Unless you tell me how much Bond knows, I'll be forced to cause you great pain. This for heat, these for cold, applied scientifically and slowly. Very, very slowly. And that's totally how Spectre works. I mean, they don't have names, they have numbers, and they, you know, they they sound like robots when they're having that meeting at the beginning. We will now proceed with the area financial reports. Number seven. Blackmail of the double agent, Matsu Fujiwa. Unfortunately, only 40 million yen, all the man had. And then you compare mm-hmm. that to British intelligence, which, like... Is this intense intelligence? They also have numbers. I know. The 007 they do have numbers. is a number. But, but it's this intense, you know, intelligence apparatus, and they have their own conference room that's like fancy old guard conference room because it's British. 
but with secret maps hidden behind like <laughs> in, like old really paintings. Lame it's like yeah, secret <laughs> maps, by the way. Yeah, like, that is a very impractical map. It's a gigantic map, a and big it's just like. Yeah, like, what's the point? You have to get get a guy with, like, a 20-foot pole in order to point to, to Europe. One, it's like, no. To say one sentence about the map. It was kind of silly. Anyway, but, um, but you know, so they have they have their plan, and, you know, they've got their, their slew of double-O agents who they're going to deploy to the different places and whatever. But when one of their people who has shown some, um, you know, initiative, done a little bit of digging on his own while, you know, on vacation or whatever, and specifically ordered mm-hmm. not to do that, um, you know, he comes in and he's got a lead and he's got a theory and they're willing to kind of, they're willing to improvise and like let Bond do his right. Bond thing. And, you know, that's kind of why they win is because they're human. And Spectre's like, they trust Spectre's him as like a human individual. terrorist robot. <laughs> terrorist robot that'd be a great name for a band yeah well that actually kind of gets into that 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 human element of bond that gets into the thing i think i liked i liked most about a movie was that even by the standards of a bond film this was a really great one for just sort of his really his quippiness his jokiness his sort of just being a a character one-liner and uh, i think he got the point yeah, so so like well, even from the start, even when he's not saying anything, when he uh, kills Bouvard, he picks up the flowers out of the vase and throws them on him. And then later on, when he's spo- snooping around, even though he hasn't killed anyone, before he leaves, he grabs a couple of grapes and eats a couple of grapes before he just walks out. He just, just, just because he can, just because he can, and it's just box. it's so funny. It's the thing is, it's like this is a guy you know he's got the license to kill, and um, I know there's a lot of people who take issue with kind of um, later Bonds, especially Roger Moore, kind of being you know too. Can- be and I, I definitely agree with that but there's something great about this character when whenever he's able to walk that line between being cold-blooded spy assassin and being just kind of really funny and goofy and i think this movie he, do, he does it very well i think this is this kind of exemplifies why i like connery better than craig is that craig pulls off the the steely-eyed sort of you know i've seen some shit attitude i think better than anyone but Connery does the balance between that and and the goofy, quippy, you he's know, like, he's whatever. He's like s- super spy bro, kind of. It's, exactly. Well, it, it's not, not. It's not, not bro, bro though. Really, I mean, he's clever. Like 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 when Fiona's in the tub and she says, "Oh, give me something to put on," and he holds up her shoes. Like that. That's just kind of like a, a, a clever kind of. <laughs> yeah, you know. Um, Which also, I totally love like her that. reaction to that. Like she gives him. The, she's got this look in her eyes. Like I. Yep. Because they're they usually like kind of swoon at that point, and it's like giggle. And she she's not having g- it. Giggle, giggle, roll over. We're gonna coyly pretend that they're not having sex right now. But she's just yeah. she she just gives him this look that's like you are an asshole. I'm gonna yep. do this because it's my job, <laughs> but you are an asshole. Which is the correct response, you know. That's that's why I like Fiona so much in this. Um, and yeah, and the other character I liked a lot in this obviously was Domino, a uh, great Bond girl, excellent Bond girl. The thing is, like, I mean, you know, this is kind of a tried and true, this is kind of rote to say this, but I mean, the, really, the best Bond girls can really out-banter Bond. They can really hold their own with him. And she does that so well, like, in the scene where, I guess, they're, um, she takes him to the, the shore, and then as soon as they get off the beach, she's giving him shit for the fact that he just, like, made up a thing about an urgent meeting. And then at lunch, you know, she calls him out on the whole conch soup thing before he can even say anything, before he can even, like, use it to his advantage. Um, that sort of preemptive uh, banter, that that, that 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 different version of wittiness, is, I really like that a lot about her. So Yeah, and I also... And, of course, then she kills the big bad. 
yeah, which is so cool when she comes up the steps like yep. that in slow motion. But actually, I really like that transition in her from, um, yeah. from like, she's, she's flirting with Bond and she is, you know, this sort of mistress kept woman of Largo and she just, you know, mm-hmm. has this life where she scuba dives and swims in the pool and all of those things to like... her transition into spy mode and finally like i'm gonna take this spear gun and kill you myself um i love that and i once bond explains once he explains what's at stake she she gets it and she's willing she's on board and that's what i was about to say is i i love the way that happens in that scene where you know she she's obviously hurt because they just super plausibly hooked up in the ocean while scuba diving as evidenced by, like, a plume of bubbles, because obviously that's a thing you can do while you're scuba diving. I, I wrote down the quote, I hope we didn't frighten the fish, which uh, just that is just, of all the things you can say after, that is great. Anyway, sorry, go ahead. Great pillow talk. Anyway, when they are on the beach after that definitely reasonable thing that happens in the ocean... After frightening the you fish, know, yeah. Yeah, exactly. After they frighten the fish, they're on the beach, and Bond starts, you know, breaks the news that her brother's dead and starts explaining, and she's clearly hurt because she totally realizes, like, oh, wow, this is completely about my brother and his mission and has nothing to do mm-hmm. with me. Um, and she kind of does this, does this whole, like, do you even care about me routine, and I kind of love that... I feel like this is one of the more authentic spycraft things that happens in Bond generally um, is this scene because he could being, you know, Lothario asshole that he is, he (laughs) could say like, no, darling, like, of course I care about you too, you know, and also just want you to do this thing and totally didn't stalk you and, you know, find you for my assignment. But he doesn't do that. You know, he's, he's, he explains to her like, all of these people could die. It's incredibly important that we get these nuclear weapons back. And he, you know, he kind of puts her in this, in that, not exactly between a rock and a hard place, because it's not like she's, that he's, like, threatening right. her with some kind of conviction. But it's, like, I just feel like it's, like, it, it, it feels authentic to me of, like, how they actually do talk people into spying. You know, when, you, when they find someone who's in that sort of perfectly placed position and they and they do something mm-hmm. like that where they you know make her angry at Largo for killing her brother and explain to her kind of explain to her what the stakes are and like sort of force her to like begrudgingly cooperate and turn right. into a spy like I I feel like that's actually that's actually how they do it which I think is cool cuz cuz a lot of the stuff in in these movies is just so absurd um so yeah. I really I really like it when when they do something that feels like real like that no, I mean, that, that's when things is like, with with Bond films, you never really expect anything that feels real. <laughs> like, I, kind of, I think it's kind of a check check your, you know, your reality at the door sort of thing with these movies, which it sometimes works great. We, we were, uh, hey, you know, we were... There aren't really jetpacks? Uh, well, actually, no, okay, the, the real, those was a real jetpack. I was, yeah, I mean... There were, I think, two that were that were existed in the world. I remember remember looking this up. Yeah, it was. Uh, uh, there are two jetpacks that existed in the world, and so that that guy was one. The the guy who was flying in that scene was one of the two. Ergo, all of it is real. Yes, of course. 
Although, can I just say, the, the, the very near the end, where the boat is on a runway thing towards the rock, and they jump out. I know. It hits the rock, and the whole thing blows up. I was just... I, 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 can't, believe, <laughs> it's a, I can't believe we're talking about implausibility and the end of this film, and we're not talking about the giant inflatable arrow that goes up from the life raft, and the plane yeah. with the arms on the front that are that just like, yes. catches it, and they go flying through the air, which is both safe and reasonable. I was getting to reasonable. that. First, it blows First the boat blows up, then the giant, then, then the boat plane with the arms catches them. Yeah, that was, I mean, that was such a ridiculous way to end it, but it also All felt really, like, rescue. earned. Yeah, so and I guess one return, thing... return and you only live twice, so. Of course, which I, I have seen that one. I think this I think this was the only only Connery one that I hadn't seen, because I was looking at the list, and sure enough, yes, you only live twice, then On Her Majesty's Secret Service, which I have not seen, and then Diamonds Are Forever. Which unfortunately, I have seen Diamonds Are Forever, and that I was like uh, that was a Diamonds piece of shit. Are Forever. Ugh, okay, we can argue about that later. I'm not. I um, don't have. I don't have any actual defense for Diamonds Are Forever. I'm just saying <laughs> I enjoy it. <laughs> okay. Well, maybe, maybe I can revisit it with if, if you uh, annoy me about it long enough. Only thing I had. Only other thing I had on my list of just like I was taking notes while we were watching the movie is. Uh, I mean, I think I think you and I are probably in agreement on this but this is one of the movies where it's like it's really uncomfortable at one point to watch it just because of the datedness of kind of bond's attitude towards rape uh. is the nurse who comes in after the machine after the guy sabotages yep. the machine and he blackmails her for sex earlier in, in addition to tricking her into thinking that she was responsible for the machine like that's just i, that, I, I was like cringing during that and it's I just like every time you know, it's it's one of those things that, like, with these movies where people say, like, oh, it was a different time, people had different expectations, whatever, but that sort of stuff, it's like, it it, it, it's, it, it hurts the experience every every time where it's just kind of like, it, it hurts my ability to recommend the movie, even though 90% of it I loved, you know? I, um, I totally stuff like agree. That. Yeah, because yeah, it's not um, just, it's not just the, um, it's it's a lot easier to make those excuses you just mentioned about like, oh, it's a different time, different attitudes about, you know, things like the extremely creative ways in which Claudine Auger's bathing suits are revealing <laughs> and the way that it kind of like, you know, unnecessarily lingers on that, like that kind of stuff. And, you know, some offhand. That's much easier to right, wave off. Exactly. Yeah. That stuff you can wave off. And yeah, that, that whole sequence actually with the nurse and the rehab where first he, for, first he forcibly kisses her and she like right. she really fights him off i mean her yeah her, no she strongly she, refuses yeah, him yeah and i mean you could um i actually i feel like if it weren't for if it weren't for that scene beforehand the scene later on after he's on the traction thing could maybe play or, or could maybe read as um yes. as as coy banter you know right it could it could totally read as like we both know this is happening so right it seemed like she would have been interested not, but if she hadn't explicitly like, said no exactly beforehand. exactly because yeah. in the in the later scene like she totally she doesn't fight she he doesn't force her into the steam room she doesn't fight you know she totally has she totally has those like i'm pretending but i'm gonna do this right. you know uh-uh-uh with my finger but i'm obviously yeah. kidding thing and that could be totally like reasonably acceptable in that scene if it weren't for the fact that like two right. minutes beforehand she literally pushed him away and ran across the room and her hair was a mess. Yeah, I agree um, completely. Yeah, so I mean that that was just kind of I mean 
it's one of those things that's kind of the movie has to has to you know stand stand on its own with kind of as the whole package and that's just like one of the things that really just like yeah you know juts out um Downer but it, although her, her being in her being in the the movie that i i don't know the name of that character the the, the nurse who was uh at that point i don't know if she I'm has not a sure name she has a name but that, that that did lead to them being together did lead to a fantastic moment later on where Bond is escaping from the building. He hits the fire alarm and it's it's going off and another woman walks out and uh, is like, oh, what's going on? And, he, and he's like chatting her up. Like in the few seconds before the woman he was just with can come down the stairs, he's like going, oh, hello. And uh, that, that sort of thing is just like, Bond is such an asshole, but he's such a likable asshole. You know, it's it, you can see so much where they got the character of Archer from. Just, just from scenes like that, where he's, you know, he 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 just just behaves that way, just by by instinct. Yeah, uh, it's not he's not even thinking. Like he actually can't interact with that that woman who comes wandering into the hallway. Yeah, right. he can't he can't actually interact with her in a in in any way other than like this could be a thing. Yeah, and uh, oh, well, one more thing I forgot to mention that was on my list: Q and tropical clothing. That was just that was, that was just just nice. That that was that was I know, hilarious. It's so cute. Also, Felix in tropical clothing. It's like literally that too. Literally everyone other than Bond is like, I'm on an island. I'm gonna wear casual a ridiculous Friday. shirt. Yeah. Um, Whereas that, that, that Bond just is funny. just like, it's casual Friday for my thighs and my bulge in my <laughs> tiny bathing suit. Well, on that note, I think this is a good point, is any. Um, so yeah, so I think uh, what's going to happen is uh, next time we're going to switch it up. I'm going to be the geek, going to pick something that you have not seen, and we're going to discuss that. I'm scared. And I think I have, I think I have something good in mind. Uh, we're going to continue with the the British theme, and we're going to watch some Doctor Who. Oh boy! Uh, yeah, so uh, get get ready for that. This could be that, intense. That is... Doctor Who is Doctor Who is a serious commitment. <laughs> it very much is, but don't. I'll I'll, I'll try try and try and ease you into it. Which here. one? Which one are you going to make me watch? Is it going to be the Barty Crouch Junior <sighs> one or? <laughs> um, yes, it is Barty Crouch yes! Junior. Uh, David I like, Tennant. I like uh, Barty Crouch Junior when he's not. Although I got to decide which of his is like the best entry point. He's definitely my favorite Doctor. Well, we'll talk about this okay. another time. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, join us next time. And uh, until then, Emily, where can we find you on the internet? I am on Twitter at EJ Reports. And I'm on Twitter at HeyHeyESJ. All right. See you next time. Talk to you later. This has been Giant Geek vs. Mega Noob. For more, visit GVNPodcast.com.